This is the Gridley Wave Network. Tarzan of the Apes, a character of Edgar Rice Burroughs' famous book, in reality is the son of a titled English couple, Lord and Lady Greystoke, who were put ashore by a mutinous crew in the jungles of West Africa. The maroon couple were left with tools and firearms, and Tarzan's mother and father built the little hut in which Tarzan is born a year afterward. It's the night of their little son's first birthday. Lord and Lady Greystoke are sitting in their rude but strongly built home. Around them lies the jungle, dark, mysterious, teeming with great sinister shapes, mocking with dreadful quiet through the night. The roar of a lion tells that the mighty monarch of the forest has made his kill. And from farther away can be heard the hideous laughing cry of the hyenas, echoing the lion's thunderous roar. From the Chicago Bureau of the Barsoomian Blade. Dateline Jesse. Pants and Press Production. For fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure, here's your host, Elmo. Welcome to show number 45. Paul Yoder is an associate professor at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. He has a graduate seminar this year that uh, sounded very interesting to me when I heard about it on Tangor's Burroughs Discussion Group, Herbalist, because one of the members, Steve Korak Alsup, is taking that class. So, I fired up the old Gridley wave and gave Professor Yoder a call uh, to uh, to hear about his class, which is looking at Frankenstein. Dracula, Sherlock Holmes, and Tarzan. You mentioned uh, the the sort of uh, literary uh, qualities of Tarzan and uh, and the idea of, of of this ape man with the thin veneer of civilization just below his surface. Uh, right. What is what is it that appeals to you about that? Yeah. Well, um, again, what I what I think is interesting is the way that it's a a kind of reversal of what we ordinarily think and what we've been taught since Rousseau, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea the idea being that at the inner core of the human is a sort of animal, and that um, society then is a kind of, it kind of contains that that animal desire. Right. Burroughs makes it pretty clear, at least in the first book, that it's exactly the opposite in the case the the case is exactly the opposite for Tarzan, hmm. and, and that is that. At his core, he's an English nobleman. Right. Um, that's the result of generations of noble breeding. And then there's this um, uh, animal training. You know, his socialization has been to be an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's is then what in containing his inner nobility. Right. Um, and in the in this, there's one scene in in the first book when. Tarzan's made up the bower for Jane. Right. Oh, yeah. 
And um, and but that's the first time we're told that that she's afraid of Tarzan. Mm-hmm. That it's getting dark and it's time for her to go to bed. Right. And she's afraid that she's going to have to have sex with Tarzan. Yeah. And what we're what Burroughs tells us, what the narrator tells us, is that um, it was heredity. Ver- it was heredity versus training. Right. And that his heredity, his inner nobility, won out um, through his training as an animal. Right. And Steve Ossip in class pointed out how different that was to later descriptions of Tarzan, in which, um, you know, once he gets civilized, once he goes to Paris and all that, um, that he strips away this thin veneer of civilization. Hmm. To let his inner animal out. I see. Right. But exactly. From the begin- but from the beginning, we find that there's actually this inner, even more civilized core. And it's something that I think uh, if if you could ask Tarzan, he probably would have rejected that idea that uh, that it was any kind of inner heredity that was was uh, winning any battles within himself. I I guess. Um... Uh, you know, I mean, he does have that moment where he asks himself, are you a man or an ape? Mm-hmm. And he seems to have certain ideas, you know, he clearly has certain ideas about the way apes would act toward their fellow creatures and the way that humans act toward their fellow creatures. Right. Well, I, he de- That's when he decides that he's going to help Darno and that he's actually going to be a man. I, I think it's so fascinating, and this is the reason why I wanted to give you a call, that uh, you're, you're describing Tarzan as a literary icon, where I think uh, most of the rest of the world certainly knows the name Tarzan, but uh, he's just sort of uh, an adventure hero, and, and you're sort of putting something on it that I think a lot of Burroughs fans have, have always thought that there are a lot of underlying themes in, yeah, well, in that's, the story. That's actually the, you know, the basis for the class, is to look at these characters that everybody's heard of, Mm-hmm. Um, and to see, you know, do they deserve some academic respect? Right. Uh, you know, and actually, one of you know what I'm for for several years from now, I'm not ready to teach it yet, but I want to include Tarzan in a class that I want to do on what white fantasies about Africa. Oh, really? Now, why is that? Well, um, I started. I I often teach um, Heart of Darkness. Okay. Um, but. After I read Tarzan, I started realizing, you know, these books are only, um, what, 10 years apart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, maybe 15 years apart, um, depending on the date you want to go with. But that they're part of that same examination of what happens when Europeans go into Africa. Right. Um, and then... Um, and and not, not too far removed from the whole Stanley and Livingston thing. Right, and, right. And it's it's part of that thing. same period. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, about this a little sh- shortly after I read Tarzan. I thought, well, I'll give some more of this stuff a chance. So I read um, H. Ryder Haggard's She. Okay, sure, yeah. And, which is clearly part of that same genre. Um, and then I started thinking, well, I could put together a class like this, you know, with that puts Haggard and Conrad and Burroughs together, right? To look at these different approaches because one of them gets lots of academic respect, the Conrad. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other two don't get much at all, right? But and then also to put that together with things like um, Percy Shelley has a po- has an early poem called "The Witch of Atlas," that's about the Atlas Mountains. Okay, I'm not uh, familiar with that. Yeah, uh, frankly, I don't know a whole lot about it myself. Okay, um, but it seems to me that that would clearly fit, and as a as an early 19th century look at it. 
right. and then come forward and look at um, Kinua Achebe's response to um, Heart of Darkness in Things Fall Apart. Mm-hmm. Well, Bur- Burroughs never seemed to get a lot of even critical respect, let alone academic respect. So I think it's it's fascinating that that you are giving him uh, a look uh, that maybe he hasn't really gotten before, and and a lot of us would think that he probably deserves. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I one of the one of the things I emphasize in my broader survey classes is that readers read, or rather that writers read other writers. Mm-hmm. And that's really what my interest in literary history is. And, right. you know, what I want to do is I want to look at Tarzan by himself, you know, as an entity, you know, as, as a book in itself, but also to situate it um, or put it in relationship to other other books that I read and other books that I teach. Mm-hmm. What um, and your your graduate seminar now uh, is reading Tarzan at at the moment right now? Actually, I hope we're reading uh, the Return of Tarzan at the moment. Okay, all but right. It's, but it's the last week of the semester. You never know what's actually happening. I'm 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 just very uh, curious what sort of reaction your students, uh, particularly students may, maybe that have never read Burroughs before. Yeah, well, first, that's virtually first, everybody. Well, first of all, are are they finding it a good read? And second, is it generating a lot of discussion in class? Um, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. It, they're they're finding it a very interesting read. Um, you know, I mean, this class has been really a revelation to just about everybody in the class. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most of the people in this class had never read any of this stuff. So I, that, that in, in and of itself is pretty interesting to me. Right. Um, but they're really enjoying Tarzan. Um, uh, they're completely stunned to find themselves in Wisconsin at the end of the, the, end of the book. Which I have to say, the first time I read the book, I was pretty surprised, too. Well, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, so when I was a kid reading Tarzan, I was delighted to find Tarzan in Wisconsin, too. Oh, I'll bet, I'll bet. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I've been able to use, frankly, in class, so I'm teaching this in a, a smart classroom. So we've got computers and, you know, Internet connection and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I've been using um, Google Maps. Yeah. Um, and Google Earth to look at where um, uh, the ships go down, and oh, great. you know we've been trying to figure out what, you know where they where on the African coast they were. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, uh, yeah, it's working out very well, and you know so we've been able to watch. I'm trying to remember. I've been I've been trying to direct my students to um, you know YouTube clips and things like that, just so sure. they can get a sense of of the um, uh, the popular reception history. Yeah, yeah. What um, what sorts of d- discussions have been generated in class? What topics come up uh, as you're discussing uh, various parts of Tarzan? Well, they're um, they're concerned about the the how to put it the, the hierarchy of beings. Okay. You know um, the anthropoid apes, for example. Uh, they're not quite sure how that fits in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I've tried to connect it to things like the 18th century idea of the great chain of being. Okay. And that um, Burroughs, you know, has these, you know, uh, what, the, the monkeys are sort of among the primates that he describes as the monkeys. There's, um, I think, what, the chimps and the apes, and then there's these anthropoid apes. Mm-hmm. Which are, uh, yeah, the, these anthropoid apes, which are uh, kind of outside of any real science, I guess. Uh, but then they also have the gorillas that are sort of the enemies of the Right, right, apes. right. So, Bolangi? Bolganis, yeah. Bolgani, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Right, right. And so the, the students are not real clear about that. And I kind of let them figure these things out from the book rather than mm-hmm. trying to come in and just say, well, this is what Burroughs thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and just work with what are we given in the text and you know, the, what, what kind of a world is Burroughs constructing in there. Right. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm, everybody has heard of Tarzan. Everyone's heard the name Tarzan and has an idea of a, of a guy in a loincloth swinging through the jungle. So I'm sure your, your students uh, were familiar with Tarzan in that sense, but are they finding uh, layers to Tarzan that maybe they, they didn't expect? Um, well, uh, yes, I think that's obviously true. But also, um, interestingly enough, one of my students did an oral report yesterday on Tarzan and pop culture. Okay. And he's a guy about 26, I guess. Um, but he said that you know he was kind of aware of Tarzan, um, but that he hadn't really realized what a big deal it was until he did the research for his report. Really? Yeah, and he was real surprised. Mm-hmm. And because he had gone through and he'd found, you know, how many books there were and all these different movies. And, you know, um, uh, he'd done, an, uh, I think, uh, um, an IMDB search, an Internet sure. Movie Database search. Yeah. And it had turned up like over 100 items just for Tarzan. Yeah. Um, and so he was real surprised at this. A lot more Tarzan movies than James Bond movies out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, with the TV shows and everything else. Uh, you know, and so we've been able to, it's, it's been real interesting, and uh, just hearing the students' experiences with Tarzan before, um, one woman talked about having seen Greystoke when she was, uh, you know, six or seven. Oh, God, now that makes me feel old. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, but how it has just terrified her. Oh, terrified her? Yeah, but since Boy. we've been reading Tarzan, she went back and watched the movie, and she watched the movie again, and she can't figure out what she was so upset about before. <laughs> That's interesting. I, uh, I'm i trying to think of what, what might have been scary in Greystoke. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. She, and she couldn't, you know, like I said, she couldn't figure out what, what she had found scary herself. Well, I guess, I guess just the idea of an infant... Uh, uh, alone in in the jungle in the wilderness that that's sort of a scary concept i guess yeah yeah and you know the students are interested they like i said uh, i i get to set a lot of the agenda um and so obviously we've been talking about the things that i'm interested in um the language aspect um its place in literary history um you know because we started off the class by reading a little bit of lord byron anyway Mm-hmm. Just to kind of set this Byronic hero in place, because I think that's one of the things that holds all four of these icons together. Right. And what I think is really interesting is uh, in the return of Tarzan, where Tarzan is is much more clearly a Byronic hero. Right. Uh, you know, sailing around on cruise ships, drinking absinthe, and smoking cigarettes. Completely different from anybody's image of Tarzan, I'm sure. Uh, oh, absolutely, who, who absolutely. And you know, every time every time he meets a woman, she falls for him. Oh yeah, well that that goes without saying, I guess. Um, that animal magnetism, I, I guess there's something underlying there as well. Uh, maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something, but then they also, I mean, they. I mean, it's amazing how little he's da- his appearance is damaged by all his scarring. 
<laughs> yeah, right. He, yeah, in in real life, he'd probably be a pretty ugly dude, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, he spent you know a couple chapters with his scalp hanging half off of it in the first book. Um, so, in in your opinion, uh, first of all, is Tarzan uh, hold some place in in literature? Do you, do you think uh, is he a literary icon, or or is it that you think he he should be a literary icon? Well, uh, he's obviously a cultural icon. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of there's something about that story that appeals to us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think, and in what, looking at the book, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to learn about what we think. Well, yeah, what what is it that appeals to us on, on maybe some basic level, I guess? Well, it, uh, it, I mean, there are a couple of things. One is it really looks at, I think Burroughs kind of just assumes evolution mm-hmm. um, and Darwinism which mm-hmm. is in and of itself pretty interesting for the turn of the 20th century. Okay. Um, but also, it raises these questions about, you know, what defines the human, um, what the difference is between humans and animals, and then this fantasy about having civilization taken away from us. Why is that a fantasy? Do you mean fantasy in, in, in a well, good I think sense, we, I, or...? Well, I think it's something that we, you know, why do we go camping? Mm-hmm. You know, um, part of it is to get away from the TV, get away from the electricity, get away from the stove, you know, go out and enjoy nature, but to some degree you're also kind of pitting yourself against the wild. Right. And Tarzan's sort of the ultimate manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. And granted, the, you know, the cards are stacked in his favor since he is at core a nobleman. Right. Um, and, you know, smarter than the average bear. Uh, but he's, you know, um, uh, we get, I think in some, in some weird sense that we succeed with him. Is there, is, is Burroughs telling us that if some average Joe was thrown into that situation, he wouldn't have grown up to be Tarzan? Uh, well, we see a lot of people who are broken pretty quickly by the jungle. Mm-hmm in the book. I mean, you know, not not the least of which is William Cecil Clayton. Right. Exactly. Uh, Who was a nobleman as well though. Uh, well, right, but he's a little he's in a remove. You know, mm-hmm. he's not he's not in line. Right. He's which, he's sort you know, of he's a pretender. direct line. He's he's a pretender to the title, I guess. Right, uh, right. You know, and granted if Tarzan were dead, he would be the one who would inherit. But Tarzan's not dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. And everything we see about Cecil suggests that you know, he's not the man his cousin is. <laughs> right, right. Um, and uh, what about the whole the whole idea of Jane coming into the jungle? And, and <laughs> t- I mean, is there some uh, is there something underlying there, or is it just a a, a, a plot uh, device? Or, well, or there's what? a the, one of the things that you start to see, and this is you know why I do this kind of stuff, um, is that Burroughs really Pretty clear, pretty clearly sets um, Tarzan and Jane as Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's one point where Eve even she's looking at Tarzan, thinking, "God, what a hunk!" Yes. And but she's thinking that surely God has never created a more perfect human being since He created the first one. <laughs> yeah. And so you know that pretty clearly equates Tarzan with Adam. And then the next thing you see, he shows up with these armfuls of, rup, of, of ripe, luscious fruit. Uh-huh. 
you know, and then and then Burroughs explicitly talks talks about them as primeval man and primeval woman. Okay. You know, so there is this. And it's, and it's not long after that that they're uh, uh, cast out of the jungle, I guess you could right. say, too. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, so there is this kind of Edenic quality about their meeting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, we hate, we hate Cecil. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know we, we want these two to get together, and they seem you know, so perfect. And it's just, you know, I mean, those, ste- those scenes are so steamy. Right, yeah. Um. You know, and, it's, just, it's just fascinating. And then, what about? Well, then, what what do we read in as as a as a literary icon? Tarzan's uh, uh, action at the end of the book, where he renounces or or, oh, sure, or doesn't sure. claim his title. Is is there what's what's the literary uh, iconic uh, meaning of that? I guess. Well, I would go. I would go two places. Um, one is the end of a tale of two cities. Okay. Um, where one man sacrifices his life for another, so that um, uh, for, for the woman that he loves. Right. And then the version that Burroughs uses, though, is almost exactly um, there in uh, the end of Gulliver's Travels, of all things. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, Refresh it, my memory on that. It's been quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, as, as you know, first of all, Gulliver's, Gulliver's Travels, there's four voyages. Sure. Um, uh, and it's all about shipwrecks. Yeah. You know, so that it has that commonality with Tarzan from, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but at one point, it, this is in the last, the last chapter of Gulliver's Travels. He's been on the land of the horses with the yahoos. Um, and he's just sick of people. He just can't stand people. Um, he wants to be a horse. He he would prefer to be a horse. Uh, it, it's a very um, grim book at the end. Okay. And one of the way, but one of the things that's happening is that you know Gulliver has gone too far in his in his hatred of humanity. And one of the ways we know this is that when he gets picked up, there's a guy on the boat um, that he becomes friends with who has this backstory. Mm-hmm. And that backstory is almost exactly what Tarzan does at the end of the first book. Hmm. Um, he had been he had been involved in an arranged marriage with this woman who was really in love with somebody else, um, but this other guy didn't have any money, and so he um, uh, gave all of his property to this other guy and then left the country hmm. until he got word that they had gotten married. Hmm. So that and does it seems sound. to me that's that's very that seems very similar to Tarzan's actions, and the idea this is and for Swift at least for Jonathan Swift at least this is intended to demonstrate the um, what the human potential for altruism mm-hmm. and for compassion that Gulliver no longer believes exists. Hmm. Um. So where. Uh... Where do you th- where does Tarzan rank among literary icons of of literature? Uh, you know, literary icons. Uh, um, it, does he hold an important place? Would you say, or or at least he should be in the conversation? Or? Well, I, I think obviously he's. I think obviously he should be in the conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of what has been happening in literary studies for the last I don't know what twenty years or so. Maybe, maybe I suppose longer even. But um, this kind of redefinition of the boundaries and reexamination of the boundaries between 
of what the literary canon the that gets academic respect and pop culture which you know really doesn't get a lot of academic respect yeah and um uh it's one of the, this is yet another connection to Byron, I think, because I've tried to te- I've started teaching some of Byron's Turkish tales, okay. which were wildly popular in his day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think the Jawa went through eight, ten editions in the first year. Well, isn't that the same with Shakespeare? Wasn't Shakespeare basically pop uh, pop entertainment? At the yeah, time? yeah, but it, but they didn't really have bestsellers yet. Okay, and Byron was a bestseller. Okay. But the things that were really the best sellers that that at the time were best sellers, nobody reads anymore. Right. And I wonder I wonder maybe a little bit along those lines if Tarzan hadn't gone on to, you know, a, a couple dozen books and comics and movies and TV shows and basically became um an adventure hero moneymaker for Burroughs, uh, if if there just had been Tarzan of the Apes, do you think it would be higher on the shelf of literary classics today, or? Huh. That's actually that's an interesting question because the 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 phenomena fell on itself so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what did I understand? I think the first Tarzan movie was only four years after the first book. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it was nineteen eighteen. Yeah, was, which is, was the first movie, which suggests, and I mentioned this in class the other day, is almost a kind of today we would have to compare it to something like Harry Potter, right? You know, and, where where the book creates the movie, which creates more interest in the book, which creates more interest in the movie. And and I think there definitely was some of that. Uh, the first Tarzan movie, Tarzan of the Apes, uh, in 1918, I believe was one of the first, I keep hearing quoted, one of the first six movies to gross over a million dollars. So, so yeah. it was it was quite popular in both forms, even right. at that time. And I think what, what part of what we're seeing here is no matter what you think of um, what the writing style or the literary quality or anything like that, um, the book clearly appealed to somebody. Yeah. And that there was there's something about it that caught the public attention. Now, well, I, I, ironically enough, I think that may actually have worked against it in the academy. Right. Well, I was just going to ask you, as a uh, university professor, what's uh, your unvarnished opinion of uh, Burroughs' writing ability and writing style? Is is there is there a literary quality to to the actual writing? Um. Well, obviously, obviously there is. I mean, I I'm I'm both a rhetorician in terms of looking at just you know different writing styles and trying to look at them more or less objectively. Mm-hmm. But then I also really like, I, I, and, I, and I specialize in narratives that are pretty difficult. Right. Um, I, you know, I mean, I at least semi-regularly teach Joyce's Ulysses. Um, uh, I work with a lot of pretty weird 18th century novels, things like that. Um, but I know a page turner when I see one. Yeah. And that's part of what Burroughs is doing, and that kind of plain style. Um, although it's not even really a plain style. I mean, some of it, there's, there's, it's clearly drawing from certain kinds of sentimental literature. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this this sort of adoration of Tarzan's physical form. Right. Um, and Which is really pretty interesting, you know, because we don't find out nearly as much about what Jane looks like. 
<laughs> that that is interesting. I never thought of it that way. I mean, she's your basic uh, uh, blonde beauty, I guess. I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I was just uh, thinking, is she a blonde? Yeah, yeah, she's blonde in in the book. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll have to double. I'll have to go back and check that just to see. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, but certainly, uh, uh, I, I mean, I've I've always thought, and I guess that's why I'm I'm so devoted to to these books, and not only the Tarzan books, but his other books. But uh, Burroughs could certainly paint a vivid picture. It seems to me. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, just to realize his world, you know. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, and yeah, you know, some of the some of the strokes, you know, to have Tarzan sort of discover the full Nelson. <laughs> yeah, you know the the wrestling moves, right? Um, you know that's just great stuff. Yeah, and what are some of the other little bits like that 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 just kind of maybe tickled you when you came across it for the first time? Ah, uh, gee, I don't know. Um, I mean, there are little you know little bits and pieces of self awareness that right. you really don't expect. Um, I, I like the just the setup for the book. Yeah, you know the idea that well, you know this guy didn't want to tell me this, so I got him drunk and. Yeah. Then they got the story, and then I played on his vanity, and so he told me the rest of the story, and then we got out the book. You there's know, always I, there's there's a hint of that in in many of Burroughs' books, where especially if you're reading them as a kid, you're kind of you're kind of thinking, well, is this really a true story? Or, yeah, well, that's, or, well, that's a pretty that has a pretty deep literary literary um, tradition as well. Okay, um, uh, you know, Frankenstein, remember, is told as a letter right. from the ship captain who's picked up Victor Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. A letter he's writing home to his sister. Mm-hmm. And then and then what he finally starts doing is recording what Victor tells him about what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the 18th century, you know, they were you know, presenting, it was real, a real question of whether you're presenting, um, books were often presented as journals that had been found. They were presented as series of letters that had been edited. You know, because there was a real problem, I think, for the readership of where does this story come from. Right. And as they're exploring the line between fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. And even on the one hand, as Burroughs is, is making it clear that, you know, or at least trying to suggest that I really, you know, I can't vouch for the truth of this story, but this is what the guy told me, and he had a book that showed it. And just in case uh, it's true, uh, let's change the names here too. Right, uh, right, right. In absolutely. Case, in case you absolutely. believe it. Yeah. But um, but then he go, but then he goes to the other extreme though. Even in that first chapter, I think, uh, talking about how it was almost it was almost just like being in a um, uh, when they're on the ship heading to Africa, and right. about how it's almost like being in a naval in a, in, a, in a seafaring story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah, there's there's a lot of different things going on. Uh, I guess in in terms of uh, what would you call it, literary devices or, yeah, or yeah. plots. Uh, oh yeah, uh, well again, there's there's this, this this tension between, and and I, I you know I think Burl's got a good sense of humor about all this stuff too. Oh really? Why do you say that? Um, he just seems to carry it off well. He's kind of wry. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the the, the depiction of, of um, Professor Porter is right exactly. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little slapstick there, but, yeah. But yeah. it is fun, and yeah. you know he's working with certain sorts of stock characters. Right. Oh yeah. I uh, mean, they're all uh, they're all basically stereotypes from Professor Porter to Esmeralda to yeah yeah. Uh, but then it all, but that also fits with the sort of romance of the jungle thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that there are certain sorts of characters that you can deploy if you need them. Right, yeah. And it allows you to devote your attention someplace else. Are, um, maybe yourself and your students, uh, it sounds like you're seeing why uh, uh, Tarzan has has, beca- has been so enduring in, in the culture uh, with, with some of these ideas that came out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, it's a very readable book. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that that's not that's not the problem here at all. Um, it's a very accessible book. Um, it's a good adventure, but it also raises um, real questions about the relationship of you know humans to the society they live in. Mm-hmm. And I think those were you know this is what a couple years before World War One, right. Um, those are real questions. <laughs> those are important questions that the you know the century was coming to deal with. And as you're much like with Frankenstein, where you're looking, you know, at the sort of early stages of the Industrial Revolution, you're looking forward. Um, it's much much like what was happening at the same time that um, that Tarzan comes out. You know, we're going into the new century. Um, the world seems to be getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's going to be our relationship with the rest of it. Thanks very much for, for joining us, Professor. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, glad to do it. Thanks for calling. Okay. On the next Dateline Jazzoom, we'll talk to Steve Alsip, who has been a fan of Tarzan and Edgar Rice Burroughs since he was 12 years old and took Professor Yoder's class. I'll talk to you then in two weeks. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. At the inner core of the human is a sort of animal, and that um, society then is a kind of, it kind of contains that that animal desire. Right. Burroughs makes it pretty clear, at least in the first book, that it's exactly the opposite in the case. The, the case is exactly the opposite for Tarzan, hmm. and, and that is that. At his core, he's an English nobleman.